Good morning. We just finished another great Ask Aces last week on Twitter with Dr. Hannah Holscher, Director of the Nutrition and Human Microbiome Laboratory and Assistant Professor in the Department of Food Science and Human Nutrition here at the University of Illinois. This morning, I'd like to follow up with a few more questions that we weren't able to cover on the chat last week. But first, to help us get started, Dr. Holscher, what is a microbiome and why did you choose to study this? So the microbiome is a community of microbes and their genes living in and interacting in a particular environment. So the gut microbiome then would be a community of microbes in, and their genes that are found within the gut. You'll often hear the term microbiota, and that's generally referring to just the microbes. So my research is focused on understanding the interrelationship between the gut microbiome, diet, and health. We know, for example, that diet can impact the microbiome and that diets rich in fiber are protective against diseases like obesity, cardiovascular disease, and diabetes. And there are also associations between the gut microbiome and diseases. So what my research group is particularly interested in is better understanding that interrelationship between what we eat, the gut microbiome, and health and disease. So where does our microbiome come from? Our microbiome comes from our mothers during the birthing process. So babies that are born vaginally are originally seeded with microbes from the mother's birth canal. Babies born by cesarean section have more microbes that resemble skin. And babies that are breastfed also get microbes from their mother's milk. And breast milk is especially beneficial for development of the infant gut microbiome because in addition to providing microbes, it also provides human milk oligosaccharides. And these are fibers that are present in the milk that help the infant gut microbiota establish. So how does it change as we get older? During infancy, the gut microbiome can be somewhat unstable as it develops over the first couple of years of life. But once the infant um, begins to consume more solid foods, the gut microbiome begins to resemble more of that of the human microbiota. Adults tend to have more stable microbes. So unless there's an insult, such as a foodborne illness or um, needing to consume a course of antibiotics for an infection, the microbes in the gut remain fairly stable. Then as we progress through the lifespan, um, the microbiota can begin to be less diverse as we get older. So we've seen that the gut microbiota composition in elderly correlates with both diet and health. So tell us a little bit about the tools that you use to study the microbiome. Well, we use lots of different types of tools to study the microbiome, but you can classify them broadly as molecular or computational. So first, what we'll do is we'll extract the bacterial DNA using molecular methods. Then we put specific tags um, on the DNA that allow us to sequence a certain section of interest. And this allows us to tell what microbes are there and how many of them are present. Then when we get these large data sets back from our sequencing centers, we use computational tools to analyze the massive data sets. And just to give you a general idea of the scale, um, it seems that some of the most recent data sets we're getting back are about the same size of 250,000 iTunes songs. So they're quite large. So what we do with these massive data sets are we'll write computer code and use different software programs to take all of the A's, T's, C's, and G's from the bacterial DNA 
and convert it to information we can use. We're very fortunate to have access to supercomputers here at Illinois, and this allows us to analyze these terabytes of sequence data using 24 computers at a time, for example, rather than waiting for just one computer like you would have on your desk at home to crunch all of those numbers. How does our diet affect the microbiome? Well, broadly, our diet affects the microbes in our gut because all of the foods that we consume um, provide an energy source for microbes. So foods that our own human enzymes aren't able to digest then provide substrates for microbes. So what we see in the literature is that the microbes that are present in the mammalian gastrointestinal microbiota are different depending on if the diet is entirely meat-based, entirely vegetarian, or if it's mixed. We've also seen literature that our habitual diet is predictive of the composition and function of the microbes in our gut. So what we eat every day will influence the microbes that are present. But interestingly, if you very rapidly change what you're consuming, so go from an entirely vegan diet to an entirely meat-based diet, the microbes in the gut will rapidly assimilate so that they can use these energy sources that are present. So how does fiber impact the microbiota? So as I mentioned, um, the microbes in the gastrointestinal tract rely on us for a lot of their energy. So when we consume a diet that's rich in different types and sources of fiber, we provide energy sources for lots of different types of microbes. Since our human enzymes aren't able to digest fibers, these foods are instead metabolized by microbes. And microbes have many fiber-digesting enzymes that humans do not, allowing them to break down complex carbohydrates. This relationship would be considered a symbiotic relationship because we aren't able to utilize energy from these fibers, but instead the microbes are able to utilize them for energy, and they in turn will produce beneficial products when they digest these fibers, having a benefit on our health. But not all microbes are able to break down the same fibers. Fiber molecules are made up of lots of different types of linkages that bacteria need to be able to break down to use for energy. Thus, the bacteria that have the tools available to break down the fibers have the best shot at getting to the energy source. Wow, that sounds fairly complicated. Let's think of this analogy. You can think of the genes that the microbes have like a toolbox. So, if you're in a competition to see who can hang a picture the fastest, the microbe that has a hammer, nails, and a level in their toolbox is going to be much faster and do a much better job at hanging that picture than a microbe that may have a screwdriver and a set of pliers in their toolbox. That's how microbes interact with different types of fibers. If they have the tools needed to break down the fiber, they're going to be able to utilize it for energy better than if they don't have those tools. Thanks, Dr. Holscher. That made it a little bit easier to understand. Now, let's move on to a topic that everyone's talking about lately, prebiotics and probiotics. What's the difference between the two? So prebiotics are a type of fiber, and you can define it as fibers that are selectively fermented that allow specific changes in both the composition and the activity of the microbes in the gut. And so some examples of this would be prebiotics can be found in foods like cereals that are supplemented with additional fibers. So fiber one cereals, for example, will often have a high source of inulin, which is highly fermentable by bacteria. 
In addition, some whole foods like onions or bananas also provide different types of fibers. Bananas are high in resistant starch, and onions have fructooligosaccharides in them. So those fibers are also considered prebiotic because they're able to stimulate specific bacteria to provide a benefit to the host. Now on the other side of the coin are probiotics. And probiotics are live microorganisms that, when consumed in adequate amounts, survive digestion and provide a benefit. Some foods that you may be consuming that contain probiotics are yogurts, fermented milk, and sometimes even cottage cheeses may be supplemented with probiotics. So thinking about this from a higher level, to remember the difference between the two, probiotics would be considered good bugs, and prebiotics are the foods that feed them. What foods are best to consume to maintain a healthy gut? So eating a diet rich in fiber from fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, and nuts helps support a healthy gut. Because remember earlier we were talking about that different microbes have different capacities to break down different types of fibers. And all of the different types of fruits and vegetables and other whole foods in our diet will provide different energy sources for microbes. And Some interesting research that's coming out from the American Gut Project, for example, demonstrates that eating a lot of different types of plants from these fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, and nuts is associated with greater microbial diversity in the gut microbes. Now, your lab is creating some exciting research discoveries and really helping to make some advances in this area. Can you tell us a little bit about how you guys are advancing research in this area? Yeah, so research in my lab, the Nutrition and Human Microbiome Laboratory, focuses on dietary modulation of the human microbiota for disease treatment and prevention. And my training is also as a registered dietitian and nutritionist. So when I address a research question, I'm really interested in it from a translational perspective. So that means I'm especially interested in studying whole foods, how fibers are incorporated into whole foods, and beverages that can contain things like probiotics and prebiotics because these are the types of foods and beverages that are available in the market for people to eat. So what's next in your research? So in addition to those whole food studies that I just mentioned, we're also interested in following up on some other research questions like how does the pattern in which we eat influence the microbes in our gut and our health? So does eating late into the night and then very early in the morning and frequently snacking during the day, does that influence the microbes in our gut as compared to individuals who may just eat one meal per day? We're also interested in things like the precision medicine efforts, so utilizing machine learning approaches to better understand these huge, massive data sets and how the different metabolic data points, for example, like our blood pressure or our blood glucose or our blood lipids, how those may be related to specific microbes and how we may be able to consume specific foods to help influence microbes in the gut and thus improve human health. Thank you so much, Dr. Holscher, for taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with us about the microbiome and maintaining a healthy gut. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to our Ask Aces podcast today. Have a great one.